it was uh, it was a pretty good year. Uh, I mean, when we looked at the Christmas tree that morning, and I don't know how it happens in your house, but here's how it happened in the one that I grew up in. Parents didn't matter. Wherever their gifts were, they stayed under the tree. But the kids, there was, there was one side for me, and there was one side for my sister, who is three years older than me. And we had torn through every single one of the gifts, and we were looking at each other like, eh, satisfied. It was good. It wasn't the best. It wasn't, definitely wasn't the worst. And then my parents said, go get your coats on. There's one more gift. And so as we went and put our coats on, my dad went outside with the camera, and uh, my mom was there at the door. My sister was about to turn 16 in one month from Christmas, and I was um, 13. And so we opened the door and went right past what would be my gift, I'll tell you about that in just a second, down the driveway, and there was the 1980 powder blue with a white rag top, Cutlass Supreme, blue mag wheels, V8. It would be mine in three years because it was now my sister's. And she got in it, and she didn't wait for anybody else to jump in, and she was gone. She got her car. It was a great gift. As I said, we went right past mine. I didn't really even notice it because of how exuberant my sister was running down the driveway. And there was my gift. It was the best Christmas present my parents ever gave me, or it would turn out to be that, and it was a ping pong table. And I played that ping pong table as much as I have played any other gift Multiple times there were friends overnight after night after night all the way through college. We would have tournaments. We would have just times of catching up, and it was an awesome Christmas. We start today a series that we've entitled Gifts. And we're going to see different gifts every single week as we focus in on Christ with us. Him coming into the world, Him joining us, Him being born as a baby. We read the passage of Scripture earlier. Paige and I read it for you. Let me read it for us once again. And I'll pick up in verse 43. And we'll read what has become known as Mary's song or Magnificat. And that's where we'll spend most of our time this morning as we see some truths about these gifts, especially this gift called blessed. You read uh, silently as I read aloud for us. Let me start in 39. It's not much more. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed. Blessed. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And why is this granted to me? Elizabeth is, is trying to wrap her mind around this. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she, meaning Mary. Blessed is Mary who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke, excuse me, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Heavenly Father, as we begin this series looking at different gifts, Father, may we, may we be thankful as Mary was for the gift that you gave and the true blessing that was giving that was given father it was given to to elizabeth it was given to zachariah it was given to mary it was given to you from you to us and father i pray that as we meditate on this passage this morning and as we see this passage as we unfold unpack this passage God you would speak but Lord so much of my time so much of our time over the next few weeks will be devoted to Christmas Father I pray that it would be meaningful it would be weighty because our focus would be on you this Christmas. Thank you. God, I love you. I thank you so very much for what you gave me and what you gave us some 2,000 years ago in the country of Israel, the city of David in Bethlehem. You gave us your very best. Emmanuel, God with us, and we ask it in his great and awesome name, in the name of Jesus, amen. Let me give you three truths this morning concerning the gift of being blessed. Three truths for us from this passage. Uh, the first is this, that blessings were seen and exclaimed by another. Somebody saw this blessing and somebody exclaimed it. They, they announced it. They talked about this blessing. And, and that person was Elizabeth. Elizabeth 
saw and Elizabeth spoke about the, the blessing that had come into her house. You know, I went to the dictionary this week and I, I looked up the term blessed and the term blessing. And uh, a couple of things uh, came out uh, in that definition. Uh, a couple of things were, were written down there. Um, and here's what it means. Here's what it means. It means honored. It means honored even in the midst of the circumstances that one might find themselves in. And, and it's in contrast even to the circumstances that they find themselves in. That's what the English word is for blessed. That, that one is, is honored even if that means that they're, it's contrasted to the circumstance that they're living in right now. That it seems or, or is shown out in public this person is honored is blessed but you need to understand that in this passage in front of us there are actually two words that are defined and they mean different things in this this word that we get in our english language as one which is blessed in verse number 42 there is a particular word that is spoken then in verse number 45 it's a totally different word and then down in uh, mary's song there is, it goes back to a, that first word. And so we need to understand that, and we'll unpack that in just a second. But blessings are seen and exclaimed by another. Elizabeth hears Mary. Mary comes to the house. It's been a long journey for a woman who is pregnant. Mary is with child at this moment. She comes to Elizabeth's house, who is six months with child, and as soon as Mary opens the door and speaks, the baby inside of Elizabeth is just going off the roof of the womb and off the floor of the womb and all around the womb. And I mean, the baby is jumping up and down and just having a party because he knows, John the Baptist knows who's in his presence, or whose presence he is in. The Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth. Her womb, the baby inside of her, is jumping for joy. And Elizabeth understands this is not just him kicking, this is not just him moving, this is something special, and Mary is there. And she greets Mary with those words, with the words in verse 42. And she exclaimed with a great, with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Let's look at these two words for blessed. The first word that is used here is the word eulogizomai. Not going to teach you Greek this morning, but that is a Greek word. And it's the word that we get our word eulogy from. Usually we speak a eulogy of somebody. We speak good of someone at, at a funeral. Somebody stands up, the, 
the body is there and it's time for a memorial service, it's time for a funeral service, and somebody stands up and brings the eulogy that speaks of this man or this woman's life and they speak good. But here, Mary is standing in front of Elizabeth and Elizabeth is speaking a eulogy. She is speaking a blessing to Mary. And here is the blessing. Here is the words. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That's the eulogy. That's the good news. You are blessed among women and the fruit of your womb is blessed. That word defined scripturally, one commentator stated this, to means to bless, to speak well of with praise and thanksgiving, to invoke God's blessing upon, which is God's action in their lives or God's intervention to accomplish his will. Elizabeth says a good word to Mary, about Mary, as she greets her. But then in verse 45, she changes the word. It's still the same in our language, in English, it's still blessed, but she changes the word. In verse 45, she states this, that, um, read with me there in verse 45, it says, and blessed is she who believed. So blessed is Mary who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What was spoken to her from the Lord? You've got to go back a few verses. Back to verse 26, when Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary and tells her, hey, here's what's going to happen. I know you're a virgin. I know you don't have a husband. I I know that you are pure, but here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be with child from him. And Mary's like, there is no way that, what? No, there, there is no way. And finally, in verse 30, She says this, verse 34, how how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the uh, Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child will be born. He will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age. She's conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with which she's called for nothing is impossible with God. Then here's what Mary said in verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Elizabeth says, you are blessed. It's a different word. It's markarios, blessed. It's the equivalent of having God's kingdom within one's heart. It's uh, this word blessed is the one who is in the world, yet independent of the world. His or her satisfaction comes from God and not from just favorable circumstances. And that's exactly what Mary had just displayed. She had just displayed that. I don't know how it's going to happen, God. I don't understand it. It is not physically possible, but that's what you have, whatever you have. I'm your servant. You do with me however you please. What you and I need to take away from these words, what what you and I need to take away from this truth is this, that 
Elizabeth had surrendered herself to God, and he blessed her with a son. She surrendered herself, and he blessed with John the Baptist. He was the front runner to Jesus. Her womb was with child, and John, filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, was inside of her, and that was something. And when she welcomed Mary to her home, she spoke blessings upon her. But what we also need to get it, what we also need to take from it is this. And, and I start this with a question. Do you take affirmation well? When somebody comes alongside you to, to affirm you and what you're doing, when somebody comes alongside you to bring encouragement to you for something that you have done, maybe they asked you to do it, maybe they didn't ask you to do it, but, but you've done something, you've said something, you've been a part of something, and somebody comes along to thank you. Do you take that well? This is not public confession, but I'm terrible at that. I am. I am absolutely terrible. I was just like, let's just move on. I don't like that at all. Let's just move on. This week, somebody was thanking me for something that I had uh, done. And as immediately as they were saying those words, the wall started to come up. And I had my pad, an- I had my, my, my ready, set, let's push this button, here's the answer. And then I thought of this. And I just sat back and I said, okay. I just listened. And they finished their thought. And I spoke to them and I said, I appreciate what you just said. Thank you. What, what you just said, I needed to hear. And normally, I would have said something right back to you, but, but I just want you to understand that I, that I understood what you said. And I appreciate everything that you just stated. So we talked about that for a second or two. But my question is, do you take affirmation or thanks or encouragement well? Mary was encouraged. Mary was affirmed. Mary was blessed. She was spoken highly of right here in Luke chapter 1, and she just received it. She received the blessing. She received the words of affirmation from her relative from Elizabeth to her, and she took it in. And my question, we just got up from the table, some literally and some figuratively this week as we had Thanksgiving, and around a number of tables, and at different times we would go around the table and we would just thank, just what have you, what's God done in your life this year? And what are you thankful for? And I sat around Paige's family's table Friday, and we just talked. We, we talked, and it was awesome to hear all the things that they were thankful for, all the things that we were thankful for. Do you take those things excuse me, well? Because Mary received that when somebody saw this blessing and they spoke about it. The second truth is this. The, the true blessing wasn't Mary, the true blessing was recognized and understood by Mary. Look at her song. Look at her song. Verse number 46 down through verse 55 is what is called the Magnificat or Mary's song. 
And it's just a prayer back to God. And I, I want to go through it, and I, as I read it, I want you to think about two things. One, I want you to think about what she's done, and then I want you to think about what God's done. And when you and I understand what she's done and what God's done, from her words, from her life, then where should, then I want us to answer this question, where should our focus be? What she's done and what God's done and where should our focus be? Here's what she states. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Her words, her song, her praise. She's singing this to the Father. And my question was, what did she do? What did he do? And where should our focus be? What did she do? Right there in verse number 46 and 47. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She is the one who is worshiping. She is the one who understands who has done all this great thing, who is truly blessed in all the things that he has done, in all the things that he has given, and he has given her. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We just sang a a few songs. The last song that we sang has a couple of words from my favorite hymn. If you go look in the uh, Baptist hymnal, it's hymn 147. The title is, And Can It Be? And we spoke of that. We sang of that. How in the world could this be? Of all the things that God, the God of the universe, the, the one who is master and Lord over everything, how in the world could it be? That he would do this. That he would send his own son. That he would put on flesh and dwell with us. My soul magnifies the Lord, Mary says. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then all the things that he had done, or that he has done. He has looked on the humble. He who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name, his mercy. He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud. He's brought down the mighty. He's exalted those of humble estate. He's 
filled the hungry with good things. He sent away the rich empty. He's helped the servants. His, he's helped uh, his servant Israel. His mercy as he spoke to our fathers and as he spoke to Abraham and as he spoke to his offspring forever. Mary's focus wasn't on herself. Mary's focus was on the one who was on the throne. Mary's focus was on the one who was giving this life inside of her. Mary's focus was recognized and understood. She understands who it is truly who is blessed. And she said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord and let it be done to me according to your word. My question to you is this. So often we turn to passages of scripture like this one. I'm 42 years old and I think that I've heard this story for at least 43 Christmases. I was in a church, especially at Christmas, I was in a church even in my mom's womb, and every year after that. And this passage is so familiar to me, and probably familiar to you, that we just skip right past, and we say, yep, that's Mary and Elizabeth, Yep, that's her song. Let's get to Luke chapter 2. Yep, Luke chapter 2, Jesus was born back in the back of, a, of an inn in, in a manger, laid him there in a manger. And we don't even think about the magnitude, the magnitude of the event. Mary understood the magnitude. Mary was worshiping as she realized and as she understood what God had done for her. A question for you and for me today is, have you come to the same point? Have you internalized this? Have you personalized what all God has done for you? She was overwhelmed, not with the moment. She wasn't even overwhelmed by what others might think of her. She was overwhelmed by what God was doing in her life. A third and final truth this morning for you and for me to think about and to allow to ingest into our lives is this. An example is given for you, an example is given for me for generations to follow. Last year, around this time, I made this statement, and I believe it's still true. I believe that uh, the Protestants have minimized Mary because the Catholics have maximized her to a point where Scripture, I don't believe, allows us to go. And because they have maximized her to that point, we have, in the past, have tried to minimize her role. 
But if you look at this passage, she understands her role. She understands she is one part of it, and she is gladly surrendered to do all that God's Word is calling her to do. Mary will be honored. One commentator put it this way. Mary will be honored from now on by all generations. Not because she is special, but because she is the model and the representative of what it is to experience God's grace and mercy. Luke loves to note how events are tied to God's activity and how those events change everything from now on. He says it multiple times over in his gospel and also in his letter in Acts. From now on, all this is going to change because of this. And he uses that term right here in this passage. From now on, from generations, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. There are two keys to unlock this song and this text. The first is this, the representative roles that Elizabeth and Mary both possess in picturing the two qualities that a believer, a son or a daughter of the king should have. And second, the realization that Mary's hymn, that her song is a story not only about herself, but about all those who fear God and are the objects of his mercy and his grace. Let me put it this way. When you and I read this, when you and I come to this passage and we, and we see the events that are taking place there in Elizabeth's home, may your focus and may my focus be exactly where Mary's was. It was not on her. She wasn't calling herself out. She never calls herself out. She always calls out her maker, her creator, her Lord, and her God. And she says... I'm going to magnify my soul and I'm going to sing praises of him because of all that he has done. All that he is. You just think about Mary for a second. 2,000 years ago, it was, it was just totally, totally, totally wrong for one to be found with child outside of wedlock. For one to be found with child, to be pregnant outside of wedlock, in those days was, to some degree, a death wish. To, some, to a total degree, it was, I will cast you out of the family and I will not provide for you ever, ever, ever. You are no longer a daughter. You're no longer a part of the family. If you live, it's only because you do it and I will have nothing to do with you. One of the commentaries that I read stated this about our culture and about Mary. It says, our culture unfortunately accepts sexual experience before wedlock as almost a given. Thus, it's hard to appreciate the walk of faith that Mary is asked to take here in the midst of all of this in the midst of all of it however the over what overwhelms her is not the risk of appearance it's not that somebody's going to walk up to her on the side of the street and say 
I know what happened to you. Oh, I, I know what happened. Yeah, there's no way. Yep. It's not the whispers. It's not the talk. What overwhelms her is not this risk with its potential risk to hurt her reputation. But here's what overwhelms her. And here's what needs to overwhelm you and here's what needs to overwhelm me this Christmas. The joy of serving and being involved with God. We too should have moral integrity. We too should be quick to serve God, even at great risk of our own reputation. This stands in contrast to seeking a misdirected self-fulfillment that not only dishonors our moral integrity before God, but also risks adding tension to our relationships for a future spouse. The example for you young boys and girls, the example for us, of those who live in the 21st century is right here. We should walk faithfully before Almighty God. We should walk with moral integrity before our wedding day and after our wedding day. And every single day of our lives, our focus and what overwhelms us is not what the culture is going to think of and not what the culture is going to say, not what our neighbors are going to think of, what they're focused on, but our Focus must remain on our God. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. His mercy is for those who fear Him. He has shown strength with His great arm. And so the example is set before us. And where is Mary's place? Let me close with this, and here's where I believe Mary's place is. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews stated this. And I believe that we can find Mary right here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Let us also lay aside every sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Catch verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what are you saying, Brian? Here's what I'm saying. The one who is to be magnified, the one who is to be worshipped, the one who is to be praised is Jesus. Where does Mary find herself? We find Mary in that great cloud of witnesses from Abraham to Moses to Joseph to David and all of those of yesteryear. They are there. And they're examples for us. The greatest example, though, the author of Hebrews says, our focus needs to be on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Truths from the gifts of blessedness. 
as you and I focus on Christmas. Black Friday has passed, Cyber Monday is coming, and the chaos is here. It's here. But in the midst of our weeks leading up to December the 25th and December the 25th itself, may your focus and may my focus remain. That outside an inn, some 2,000 years ago, God came down. And because He came down, you and I have the opportunity to be blessed. Because He came down, you and I are blessed because He gave His very best. We're blessed. Heavenly Father, I bow before You. Father, it's a passage of Scripture at this time every year that, God, we can read. Father, we hear But God, how weighty it really is. Honestly, how weighty, how massive the events that took place in Israel. The months leading up to it when you're angelic host and your messengers came forward time and again to proclaim here's what's happening god we just read the black ink on that page and we go to the next sentence but how massive that was how mighty weighty it needs to be again in our hearts and in our lives Father, I pray for every man and woman. May we see how Mary lived her life, how she was surrendered, how she understood her place, her need of a Savior, and she called out to you for that. And she was so thankful for that. And Father, how she lived her life. God, may we focus our attention on the giver of life, on the one who gave us everything in His Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask it in His name. The invitation this morning is for all of us to remember what God gave. Some of you here this morning have not accepted Him. You have come to this place over and over and over again, or you have come to this place for the first time and you have not accepted Him. And He desires for you to know Him. He sent His very best. He gave His very best for you, to you, to come to know Him. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, I pray that during this time of invitation, the offering is there. The invitation is there. Would you come? Let me introduce Him to you. For those of us who do know Him, the time is for us to direct our attention and our focus back to Him. For He is worthy of it. You stand and join with us as we sing. And we invite you to obey.
what God is calling for you to do.